0: Well, hi, I'm Deb Giro, host and creator of Amazing Women, R.I. That's where we feature women in this state who make a difference. You can listen to the podcast anytime on all of your favorite streaming devices or online at the website, amazingwomenri.com. You are about to meet one of the more effective political operatives in Rhode Island, Emily Crowell, the Chief of Staff to Providence Mayor Brett Smiley. Uh, She started as a junior aide in Senator Reed's office and then communications director for Providence Mayor Alorza, then chief of staff, Rhode Island Education Commissioner, and Fonte Green during the state takeover of the struggling Providence school system. She had a brief stint at a PR firm, but her love is politics. Emily is a graduate of Bayview Academy, URI, she was born and uh, grew up in Cranston, and actually, I think, considered being a tattoo artist. And we'll get to the tats in just a bit. Uh, she has a real can-do attitude, and I've had the pleasure of working with Emily and state government on education and housing issues. Welcome, Emily Crowell, to the show. It's nice to see you again. Good to see you, and thank you
1: so much for having me, Rep.
0: The last time I saw you, I think, was Bolt Coffee on Washington Street. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I
1: have my book coffee right here. So, <laughs> well,
0: you certainly are a lightning bolt. So, what do you love about being chief of staff for Mayor Brett Smiley?
1: Yeah, so I think it's a. I mean, being chief of staff is an absolute dream job anywhere that you can do it. Um, you're you get to both manage up and manage down, and that's kind of my favorite thing to do. I was briefly uh, Mayor O'Lores' acting chief of staff when our chief of staff went on maternity leave. um, Mm -hmm. And that was an awesome experience. I was also a communications director at the same time. And I always said that was my favorite job with all the pressure that it was. um, Truly my favorite job that I've ever had. And so I've worked really hard to try to get back to this position, but also throughout my career, just to get to the chief of staff level, get the right skill set, and get the right practice to make a good chief of staff. So take us through a day in the life of Emily Crowell as the chief of staff, like what happens? Sure, so I don't, I always tell everyone it's hard to describe my day to day, but it's easy to cap encapsulate with just saying that I'm never ever bored. Um, And so sometimes I'm acting in the mayor's stead. So sometimes I take a meeting on his behalf Um, And, you know, I have a pretty good understanding of his direction or his policy on the issue. And I actually, you know, I have many of the same authorities. He's great about that with staff giving us the authority to make our own decisions um, in those difficult conversations or, you know, those those tight decision deadlines. But so there's a couple of meetings like that. And then I have, you know, the amazing Um, Honor of meeting with folks that are visiting our city, businesses that are thinking about coming to Providence or that are in Providence or that can be better connected to our residents. Um, And so I've always loved city government. I've worked at all three levels of government and I've loved city government the most because you're really just the closest to the work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so meeting with, you know, maybe a parent that has an issue in our schools, meeting with a small business owner that's just really hit a dead end trying to untangle some of those those levels of government. Um, government is government to people. So they might not need assistance at the city level, but how can we better direct them? And how can we be a convener and a connector for them so they know how to get to the right level of government or the right resource or maybe the right nonprofit that's better suited to help them?
0: And it's nice. I think people really need to know that government's accessible to them. Yeah, that's absolutely. very important. So it sounds like if you're the surrogate in many ways for the mayor, I mean, you really have to be aligned with the values.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I totally appreciate that, that you saying that. I think that it's important when you pick who you work for, that you're aligned with them and that you understand their, their goal. Um, I start every day with my team and we start with why. So why are we doing this today? Why do we do what we do? And it's really easy for me in my conversations with Mayor Smiley to find his why and to communicate that down to staff. It was something that, we started when when I was in communications. It's how I try to communicate rather than what we do and how we do it, communicate why we do it first. Um, and that's something that it's as the chief of staff to bring that down to to the team.
0: I think it's also important to recognize and appreciate the staff because they're really the ones who make it all happen. And as the chief of staff, how do you recognize the people who really are the infrastructure of any organization, especially in state and local government?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I say it's a blessing that working for someone who was a staff person. So Mayor Smiley is very clear about his expectations with me because he was once in my seat and has once. That's a good point. I forget that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a different um, and nothing against other models of, of government or in other models of updates or different bosses that I've had. But just having someone that's been in the literal seat that we're in is really helpful. It also creates an immense amount of pressure because he's done these jobs so well. Um, so I know that I always have that kind of bar to, to be set. But I, I mean, in terms of taking it down to the staff level, I've been on the other side of that, too. So I've mm-hmm. been a deputy, I believe, he- heavily in deputies. I think that's where a lot of our talent is whatever the level of government, whatever the office, um, really believe in creating a pipeline for women in this sector. So as you and I both know, it's really hard for women to find other women that are either in the business or to look up to. Um, I struggled when I was in 2010 to 2015, when I was trying to find my footing um, within this political arena, you know, finding women to look up to. And I was able to do it, it just was hard to find them. Um, so trying to provide that pathway to staff, Um, And then recognizing them when they have wins. So at the end of the day, I mean, like there's small wins and there's big wins, but moving the ball forward is a win overall. So whether it's something small, like meeting a deadline or whether it's something huge, like completing a project, you know, those celebrating those small wins, um, because sometimes days feel like a loss, but you really had a lot of little wins in there. And
0: it's so important, too, to make sure that you have a pipeline, but also that you're helping women somehow reach and actualize, you know, their their dreams. That's what it's all about. Women helping women. You were also the executive director, right, of the Rhode Island National Organization for Women.
1: Yeah, I was the vice president and then the interim president. I was. And that was awesome. Yeah, I got to work hmm. with some really amazing women. Um And folks at the state house to work on the RPA. I've continued my work on the EACA and I feel very passionately about passing that as a former state employee, I feel very-
0: And I think the equality coverage of uh, abortion care is in the budget, there's legislation. So I think that's an idea too, whose time has come. So women are the backbone, let's face it, of our economy, of our families, our communities. What do women, all women need for more political engagement?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it's understanding how you, the capacity that you have to deliver your voice and then like the most effective avenue for that. So I think COVID presented us with some new ways to engage, both as women, um, as as residents, uh, whether it be digitally or creating other avenues. I think we struggled so hard at Rhode Island Now, which is an all-volunteer-run organization during COVID, Um, because we saw women who were teaching remotely and and providing childcare and trying to donate some of their time to this organization that they care deeply about, but being stretched so thin. Um, So I think it's finding the avenue that works for you. Sometimes that's testifying remotely um, at a hearing. Sometimes that's showing up. Sometimes that's writing. Um, And all those things sway government. They impact decisions at the top level. We know that if we got X amount of calls on something that there's a problem here that we need to address it and tackle it. Um, So I, I always tell people no amount of action goes unnoticed as someone who monitors the mayor's social media. Um, Like, I know what's bubbling up on the social media front, and that helps me understand the calls that we're getting and whether or not they're aligned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all amount, no matter how large, no matter how small, and then I mean, just reaching out to, to ask for a meeting goes a long way as well. Absolutely. Very rarely say no to meetings as politicians, you know, once you get in the schedule, but just that face to face and just bringing in those personal stories for me is always really helpful
0: totally. Uh, if you're just joining us, thank you. I'm Deborah Giro, host of Amazing Women. Our, I want to give a shout out to Karen Kay. She's our producer. And don't forget, you can listen to Amazing Women on all your favorite streaming services. And if you like the show, leave us a review. Spread the word. My guest, Emily Crowell. She's the Chief of Staff for Mayor Brett Smiley. I mentioned she was also the comms director for uh, former Mayor Alorza and Chief of Staff for Education Commissioner Infante Green. Uh, you grew up in Cranston, Emily, graduated from U. What did you study in college?
1: Sure. So uh, I originally was uh, wanted to be a photojournalist or uh, and, and go to art school. And so when I transferred to URI, I thought I was mm-hmm. just going to do traditional journalism. Um, but I had Professor Maureen Mopley uh, for political science, like one oh something, and I found her to be really inspirational. My dad was in uh, politics growing up, and so I was familiar with the concept. But she really pushed me. In, kind of sparked that interest in local government um, and so i pursued political science and i also studied natural resource conservation because i wasn't too sure what i wanted to do
0: <laughs> so how did you get into and get involved in politics
1: yeah i think i mean it was school so i was involved in the student senate um I really, really found my interest and in really what I did and didn't want to do through internships. So I interned for U.S. Senator Jack Reed before I worked for him. I interned for the Governor's Commission on Dis- Disabilities. I worked at, for a few different volunteer uh, uh, intern for nonprofits to figure out, you know, I thought maybe I want to do nonprofit. I thought maybe I want to do federal work. I thought maybe I want to try this. Um, And so I was able to figure out what I didn't want to do, didn't want to do. I knew I didn't want to do solely policy work. Um, And it was through my internship with U.S. Senator Jack Reed that I realized that I enjoyed the pace of communications and really the wide breadth of communications um, and just the ability to become an expert in the moment on something that was critical to your candidate or your principal.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I see the the adrenaline and the energy that you bring to it. You're a pretty busy 30-something, you know? I am. So you want to make a difference. What do you want to change in this world?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I would love to stop having the conversation about how hard it is to be a woman in politics and have mm-hmm. it just be something that we all know and understand. Um we often don't think about uh what it's like to be a woman in the workplace. I don't have children of my own, but I work a lot of women around women that do. And so I don't, that shouldn't be an afterthought. We shouldn't be finding rooms for cramming in lactation rooms and closets where we can find them. This world should be built for everyone um, and accessible Mm -hmm. to everyone. And that's from ages eight to 80. Um, And so just making sure that everyone has equal access is super, super important to me. Um, And I just, I think going back to making sure both reproductive justice in general, but that women have the rights and the the resources they need to be successful in life.
0: Absolutely. And we see too, why we need more women running because it's all about having a seat at the table, passing legislation. I mean, in 2018, we passed legislation in Rhode Island that allows women to use their campaign finance account to actually pay for childcare when they're running for office. Mm -hmm. Really important, you know, as you know, um, on a lighter note, I mean, you showed me earlier the tattoo on your arm and, and it reads, I am Providence. Tell us about that. Sure. So,
1: uh, I have uh, a lot of tattoos. I actually, I was a licensed tattoo artist. So I went in and I actually practiced tattooing. Um, and I did that. Everything from, in your spare time? Uh, yeah, from <laughs> age 18 to about 23, I was doing that work. Um, and so while I was bartending and while I was in college. Um, so it was, it was, for me, it was really about kind of my artistic passion and following that creative outlet while I was doing a lot of heavy reading and writing um, at URI but I enjoyed it immensely. I've always been fascinated by tattoos. I thought that that could be a career, at least a fallback if this all didn't work out. But I have a tattoo basically for like milestones in my life or monumental things. And so um, I got one when I was working for the city of Providence and I got it on my birthday, I think, but it's actually the font, um, H.P. Lovecraft's gravestone, Mm -hmm. Um, mainly around mainly the sentiment. I wasn't actually too familiar with the artist when I, when I got it, but I just love the sentiment of I am Providence. And mm-hmm. so, um, I feel that when I walk through the streets and like that weird way that the light just hits in between the buildings, like that's when I feel it the most. Um, but I often think that when through my day, when I'm dealing with really hard decisions or things, I just like, I realize how much we all are the city and how the city is not nothing without all of us.
0: And then you roll up the sleeve of your right arm and say,
1: Oh, that's right. I am I Providence. I have you, a group reminder
0: You have a lot of tats. How many now?
1: Yeah, I think it's 27. I think 27 with my newest one. So I 27 or 28 now. I used to have one for every age that every year. And so I stopped doing that around 25.
0: It could Um, be a problem by the time you get to be 60.
1: You run out of good space. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm saving space. And what's the most recent one? I I recently got a 39 on my wrist to signify that uh, Mayor Smiley was the 39th mayor. There's also a subtle there's 39 cities and towns in Rhode Island. So that seemed like a really cute one to get that had a Rhode Island and a Providence theme to it.
0: 39th because he's the mayor. Now that's loyalty. Yeah. You work tirelessly uh, very hard to get Brett Smiley elected as mayor of Providence. Let's talk a little bit about what you see in him and what you're hoping for the future of the creative capital.
1: Yeah. The only person that I think works harder than me is, is mayor Smiley. Um, And so I said before, but he sets an incredibly high bar. He uh, has just such a depth of knowledge of a variety of issues and he never stops asking questions, which has, he taught me how to ask the right questions to ensure that we were making the right decisions, um, making sure we had all of the information before we made that decision that everyone was included in that conversation. um, And that we were all on the same page before we moved uh, forward. It causes you to take a step back Um, And in government you're never trying to slow anything down, but when you take that moment to make sure that you have a collective decision making process, I think that you everyone feels better with the decision. Um, So he's taught me a lot about coalition building he's an incredible leader he's very clear, Um, so he is like I said his expectations are clear, uh, but also why he's doing something is very, always very clear to me what his intent is and what his goal is. And so Mm -hmm. it's just really easy to work for someone like that.
0: And I think you make a good point asking the right questions, you know, in order to really drill down, that's how you do the critical thinking, you know? Mm -hmm. So when do you sleep? (laughs) I'm historically a very bad sleeper. (laughs) (laughs) I heard, and I'm not sure that you carry a pocket knife. Is that true? I do. (laughs) You do. Did something happen to warrant that?
1: Uh, yeah. uh, Yeah. A few years ago I was press secretary. Um, I was outside of city hall and I had an unfortunate interaction with someone, um, who wanted my cigarette or my pocketbook or anything on me and was just very aggressive. Um, so after that I took a class on self-defense. Um, I walk around often, I don't drive. So I walk the city often. So I always have one with me, but it comes in handy, honestly, more than anything. Um, anytime I need to like cut something or anything like that, I can just say, actually I have it. Um, Again,
0: if a door is locked, you say, wait a second, I can do it. I got you. (laughs) That's funny. You talked about how much you really appreciate the values that Mayor Smiley
1: brings. Who are some of your other mentors? Who else has really inspired you, Emily Crowell? Yeah, um, I think Courtney Hawkins, who's here now at the City of Providence, that she's the chief operating officer. Mm, Um, I joke when I say that I want to be her when I grow up, but she has been an ultimate mentor um, and friend throughout her time in Rhode Island. Um, Arianne Correnti, that works at the Rhode Island Foundation is a close mentor and someone who previously worked in City Hall. And I remember looking up to her and saying like, oh, I just wish I could work in City Hall one day. Um, and I now, now she looks back on it and she's like, did you really, really want that? And I was like, I really, really, really wanted that. So, I mean, they've been both amazing um, mentors throughout this. It's
0: whole- really nice to hear you say, I sort of want this dream. And then to see how you actually achieve it. That is wonderful. You know, I can sense how much you really love your gig. But if you could wave a magic wand, what would you love to do other than being the chief of staff of the mayor?
1: Um, I don't know. I think maybe maybe photojournalism or some type of journalism. If I, I wasn't in this field, I think I would be a journalist.
0: Mm-hmm. How comfortable are you telling the mayor that maybe he's not making the right decision? On an issue. Yeah, Is
1: hard? It's very hard, but I've gotten very good at no um, mm-hmm. and how to say no uh, in a constructive way over the years. And so I've worked for several different principals, all who had different ways of interacting with staff. Um, and you gotta find the sweet spot with the person that you're managing up on to figure out how to give them the advice. So whether that's in private or in public, whether that's in writing or verbally and then just you know the words that you use like you were you were really really great doing up to here and then this is where you could use an adjustment or if it's just this is not a good idea it's laying out your kind of vision and your fact finding first and then saying like is this the best idea
0: and what about does he push back on you and saying well emily no i'm really convinced that this is the way to go but i appreciate your input
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah there's there's a push and a pull and i think that's what makes us uh, a a really great duo between the the two of us um i think you have that with every single principal, right there's a different sense of push and pull i was so so grateful to work for commissioner infante green she knows so 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 much more than me about mm. education um and i will never know as much as i do but but when it came down to here's where we're going to be going i could tell her exactly what delhi that used to be across from and where that was and so i had this rhode <laughs> island lens that i would bring. Um, And so I think it's, it, that push and pull is natural, but also like what we're teaching each other. He teaches Mm -hmm. me things about, you know, management and budgets that I will never know. And I talked about, you know, what I'm feeling and hearing on the ground with staff um, and probably about social media. So what's the most difficult part of your job being the chief of staff? Um, I think, I think it's twofold. I mean, there's always going to be difficult conversations. So, whether that's personnel issues or whether that's performance issues, those are always hard conversations. And so they can be draining, and having too many in one day is probably not good for one's mental health. So, I try to space those out, whether it's a hard budget conversation or a hard personnel conversation. I try not to have multiple in the same day um, just because that's emotionally draining. But uh, I do think that being a chief of staff and being the age that I am um, and having worked with staff for years, It's very different to go from someone that's amongst staff to someone that's now managing the staff. And so, Mm -hmm. managing a friendship to supervisor role over the years, I think is difficult for me. And then, watching folks that I've managed up on, managed down on rather now doing those roles and having to delineate that line um, for me is it's hard. It was a hard experience for me doing it. And so, watching them do it actually is hard for me.
0: How do you navigate having to manage someone who's older than you?
1: It's interesting. Um, I think it's about respect. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as long as they feel as though you respect them and they respect you and whatever your authority is, even if they're older than you, even if they have more experience or different experience than you, um, I think it's building that trust and respect first um, before you go on to actually managing them. So, you know, what we're on day twenty. 23. Um, of, but there's there's folks that I manage now that are definitely that are older than me. Right. Um, and so I've spent time establishing that line of trust before any sort of heavy handed management or deliberate asks.
0: And I think you hit a couple of important points. One, it's always about respect. And it's always about communication. You mm-hmm. know, we forget how important it is to have open, honest communication.
1: What do you love most about your job? I end almost every day with talking about how much I love my job, even if it was mm-hmm. the hardest day in the whole world.
0: That's a good thing.
1: I love my job. The thing I love most about my job is I'm never bored and something is I'm always learning something new. Um, There's never a day where I end the day and I knew all of the same things that I started that day with. So
0: everything comes at the right moment. Be patient and be grateful. So what's next for Emily Crowell? What's next? Um, I'm here as
1: long as the Mary will have me and as long as the residents of Providence will have us. (laughs)
0: good point well i certainly appreciate you know your time and your insight um is there anything else that you want to share in terms of um where you see the future going with providence and under the leadership of um, mayor brett smiley
1: uh nothing
0: i guess what would be different than past mayors
1: sure uh so i think that i mean the mayors when the mayors just lens of efficiency and effectiveness in city government. So we want to be a city that the best run city in the country that does things the right way the first time. Um, and that's a learning curve. And that's also kind of an assessment. And so we're on, as I said, we're, we're early on, but I hope that when Mayor Smiley leaves and he leaves the keys to this building, we've left this building and the city a better place than we found it. And so a more efficient place that runs seamlessly, There's always going to be imperfections, but like many good events, I hope that we're the only ones that know what went wrong and (laughs) not the residents.
0: You mentioned uh, working for Commissioner Infante Green and the whole education issue in Providence. Do you have a different perspective having worked with the commissioner and now being in the mayor's office and realizing, you know, we have to unbundle this?
1: Uh, I think I'm uniquely positioned. So I was with Mayor Lorzo when the state first took over the schools. Then I was able to work at the Department of Education during the takeover. And now I'm on the city side. Um, I have said that I've been chasing our schools throughout my career. So no matter where I am, they are a huge part of my life just because education is a massive part of the economy in Providence. I wouldn't say that I have a different um, lens of it, but I definitely have a different appreciation for the work that our teachers were doing, particularly during COVID. And then in the wake of COVID, um, they have students that are all at different deficits from the, from the pandemic, and they have a really hard charge of getting them up to speed, particularly in Providence, where many of our students were struggling already. Mm-hmm. And so you know, our why around education is because every dollar and every minute spent on education is a massive investment in our future. And so we always go back to education, whether we're talking about workforce development or economic development, um, what have you, whatever the topic is and housing, we always get back to education at its core. And so I wouldn't say it's different, but I have an immense amount of respect for the work that the teachers do and the work the administrators do, particularly in the wake of COVID. It was incredibly hard work.
0: Absolutely. Well, you've got a lot of good energy. You definitely are what, you know, the city needs and, and, you know, Mayor Smiley and you, hopefully we're going to put uh, the Capitol on the right track so we can create the future that you're talking about. Emily Crowell, chief of staff for Providence, Mayor Brett Smiley. Thanks for stopping by great conversation. Thank you, Rep. I end each show with a quote and this one is from George Bernard Shaw. Progress is impossible without change. And those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Thanks so much for joining us. You can listen to the podcast anytime on your favorite streaming devices and at the website amazingwomenri.com. I'm Deborah Giro. Thanks for being here. Stay well.